Hello and welcome to another episode of In a Pickle, the show that's dedicated to the less glamorous side of baseball. And if you're like me, you're definitely upset that MLB has canceled the first two series of the season. But that's okay because this is the less glamorous side of baseball. And by God, this is the most less glamorous side of baseball right here. The strike. What a killer. Absolute killer. Uh, Let me know in the comments how you feel about this strike. I can't imagine any major, major league baseball fan is uh, certainly excited at this point. I mean, what the hell is going on? We haven't had a normal season since 2019. Jesus Christ. But I'm here to bring you some stories, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep on rolling with this content. It doesn't matter if the the league is playing or not. It just sucks that traffic will be down on any MLB-related topics because people will start to care less and less. And, And the children of the world, the future of baseball, will start moving in other directions, such as lacrosse and soccer and and basketball and anything else that they can do because baseball will not play and baseball is killing itself. So speaking of killing people, I got a story for you. This is called Clubhouse Gone Wild. With the MLB lockout going strong and the fact that spring training is now, well, I guess canceled, there isn't a whole lot of baseball news out in the world. But it definitely doesn't stop us here at In a Pickle. And the news of late has been the trial of former Angels employee Eric Kay and the death of Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs. Kay, who is 47, was convicted of two felony counts with providing Tyler Skaggs with counterfeit oxycodone pills that were laced with fentanyl. That resulted in Skaggs choking on his own vomit and dying in his hotel room. Unfortunately, Eric K was distributing fentanyl and oxycodone since 2017, or honestly, maybe even before that. Who knows? K right now will face a minimum of 20 years in federal prison if convicted of supplying Skaggs with the counterfeit pills. The trial opened up a can of worms that resulted in four different MLB players to testify against K saying that they also received drugs from the former Angel employee. Pitchers Matt Harvey, Mike Morin, Cam Benarasani, and first baseman C.J. Crone testified that Eric Prescott K. gave them drugs. K., who was a public relations employee with the Angels baseball team, had both Morin and Crone testify that they got the OCs from K., with Better Rosen testifying that he received maybe four or five pills one time from Kay, but only took one of the pills and ended up giving the rest back because he didn't like the way he felt after taking them. Matt Harvey, who is the most high-profile name of the four and a former All-Star with the Mets, testified that Skaggs provided him with the OCs during the season with the Angels and said he provided drugs to Skaggs as well. The two of those guys were just trading drugs like uh, we used to trade baseball cards back in the day. Harvey also said in court that Skaggs had another source for drugs that he used. Matt said, quote, in baseball, you do everything you can to stay on that field. 
I felt as a teammate, I was just trying to help him get through whatever he needed to get through. Kay was found guilty after only an hour and a half deliberation and now faces up to 20 years to life in that federal prison. Sentencing for Kay will be June of 2022. Now, Matt Harvey took a big hit because of this. And uh, if he does come back, he probably will face suspension. But it doesn't really seem like he's going to come back at all. This isn't the first time that clubhouse members from the Angels had to be let go. But Kay's involvement is actually far more worse than one committed by Brian Harkins, a.k.a. Bubba. Bubba had worked for the Angels for more than 30 years. He started as a bat boy in 1981 and worked his way up to a leadership position in equipment management. He was fully respected within his profession and was voted visiting clubhouse manager of the year by the MLB equipment managers in 2005. Harkin was looking to make some extra cash like we all are and started selling the players in the clubhouse a substance called go-go juice. Go-go juice was a mix of pine tar and rosin that was sold to mostly pitchers to get a better grip on the ball during the game. Angels pitcher Andrew Henney admitted he was messing around with various concoctions in order to get a better grip on the ball, and he believes the use of foreign substance by pitchers in a game is widespread. Yeah, no shit. Henny was quoted saying, quote, I think everybody knows that most guys are doing it. It's not a huge secret. No one thinks it's shocking that people are using sticky stuff on their fingers. So just like steroids that help tons of players hit monster home runs, some of them that might have not even landed yet, why not have pitchers get on board with cheating? Baseballs used in the MLB are given to the umpires before every game. An attendant in the umpire's room rubs eight dozen to 12 dozen baseballs with a concoction known as New Jersey mud. I think I had New Jersey mud the other day after a night of drinking. New Jersey mud helps remove the sheen from the balls and improves the grip for the pitchers. Now, the MLB rules prohibit a pitcher from applying any type of foreign substance or item, including pine tar, dirt, or saliva. And failure to follow these rules will result in ejection in an automatic 10-game suspension. This is a much lesser punishment than getting caught with roids in your system. Harkins, at the time of firing, was the visiting clubhouse attendant and would sell the go-go juice to anyone who wanted it, including the Angels. Harkins was fired on March 3, 2020, after 38 years of employment with the Angels. He spent 30 of those years as the visiting clubhouse manager. Bubba was fired days after MLB sent a memo to its clubhouse instructing them that there will be a crackdown on the use of foreign substance on baseballs. The strange thing about Bubba's termination, though, was that he didn't understand why he was being let go by the Angels with no warning of the things that he was doing. Well, where do I begin? You, sir, are not a major league ball player. You don't have a major league contract with the team. Obviously, you needed the extra money, and that's why you were selling juice to anyone. So you really couldn't be making more than, what, 40 k a year? 
with tips, maybe a little more. Why would they need a reason to dismiss you? The reason is actually in your go-go juice. But, of course, Brian Harkin filed a lawsuit, and that suit he named all types of players. Attorneys for Bubba submitted affidavits from former Major League players that include Wally Joyner and Mike Sweeney and text messages from Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole as part of their lawsuit against the Angels. The documents filed in the Orange County Superior Court were submitted to demonstrate that Harkins did not supply quote-unquote illegal substances and that he was not a traitor to the Angels. In the suit, Harkins' attorney claims that his reputation was damaged by the publicity surrounding the case. The Angels, of course, declined to comment on the ongoing legal issues. A hearing was held on January 21st to determine whether on whether the case would move forward. The judge granted the defendant's motion to dismiss Harkins' complaint, stating that there was not enough evidence to prove that Harkins had been deframed in wake of firing. An attorney for Harkins said that he plans to appeal. Of course, it just goes back and forth and back and forth. Now, outside of Los Angeles, there's another big-time scandal that went on by the hands of a clubhouse member. Most people might not know the name Kurt Radomski, but if I was to say the nickname of Murdoch, then you might actually remember a little better, especially if you're a Mets fan. Murdoch was a bat boy and a clubhouse employee for the New York Mets from 1985 to 1995. This is the man who may or may not have started the steroid era in the major league. I say may or may not because with or without Murdoch, HGH would have found its way into the clubhouse regardless. On April 27, 2007, Murdoch pleaded guilty in the U.S. District Court to money laundering and illegal distribution of steroids HGH, amphetamines, and other drugs to dozens of current and former MLB players and associates on the team throughout Major League Baseball. Murdoch faced a maximum of 25 years in prison and a $500,000 fine, but was only sentenced to five years probation in order to pay a fine of $18,000 due to his cooperation with the federal government and the Mitchell Report. For anyone who doesn't know what the Mitchell Report is, well then, you haven't been a baseball fan for very long. I urge you to please look it up and see the large amount of players that are on that list. Like everybody who was in a scandal, Bubba authored a book in January of 2009 titled Bases Loaded. Now, I recently went to go look for this book on Audible, Uh, to try to get some perspective on what was going on with the HGH steroid era. And all I could find was a steamy sex novel called Bases Loaded. Um, I'm halfway through. So the book is titled Bases Loaded, the, the book that I didn't get. The inside story of the steroid era and the central figures in the Mitchell Report. In this book, he names many of his relationships with the MLB players, his steroid sales, and his interactions with Senator Mitchell. Murdoch isn't the only one that helped bring the use of PEDs in the MLB to light. 
Brian McName is a personal trainer who was employed by Andy Pettit, Roger Clemens, and Chuck Knobloch. McNamee is a former strength coach for the Yankees and Blue Jays. He helped acquire PEDs, including steroids, amphetamines, and HGH for some or all of the players he personally trained. Brian told the Mitchell Commission that he began injecting Clemens with steroids in 1998, and he continued to provide these steroids all the way to 2001. On January 4th, 2008, Clemens had a phone conversation with Brian in which Clemens stated that he just wants the truth, never actually telling his former trainer to come out and clear the pitcher's name. Clemens said many times in the conversation that the steroid accusations were false. It's almost like he knew someone else was listening. McName never agreed or disagreed when this statement was made, simply asking, tell me what you want me to do. Brian did state, however, that, quote, it is what it is, meaning he told the truth. Clemens, of course, filed a lawsuit against McName shortly before the conversations were leaked. He sued him for defamation of character. McName's attorney urged that McName was compelled to cooperate by the federal officials, and thus his statements were protected. A federal judge did agree, throwing out all claims related to Brian's statement to investigators on February 13th, 2009, but allowing the case to proceed in statements Brian made about Clemens to Andy Pettit. During the summer of 2012 in the U.S. District Court in D.C., McName took the stand for the prosecutor's central witness in the perjury trial for Roger Clemens. Brian conceded that his representation regarding Clemens had, quote-unquote, evolved over a period of years. Brian admitted inconsistencies resulting in the acquittal of Roger Clemens. But... The damage was already done, which resulted in Clemens never getting elected into the Hall of Fame. Andy Pettit, however, admitted to using HGH, getting it on occasion from McName in 2002 and again in 2004. Knobloch admitted to using HGH. He said, quote, I did HGH. It didn't help me out. It didn't make me any better. I had the worst years of my career from a batting average standpoint, and I got hurt. So there was no good that came of it for me. It was a, it was not performance enhancing for me. Knobloch might actually be a future subject for a small deal. He's got a domestic dispute against him. Larry Starr was also part of the Mitchell report. Larry Starr was a trainer for 30 years with the Cincinnati Reds, from 1972 to 1992, and with the Florida Marlins from 1993 to 2002. Starr was interviewed by the Mitchell investigation at least four times, but his information was entirely kept off the final report. Starr spoke freely about the use of HGH with the press. He told reporters, I have notes from the winter meetings where the owner groups and player associations sat in meetings with the team physician and team trainers. I was there. And the team physician stood up and said, quote, look, we need to do something about this. We got a problem here if we don't do something about it. And that was in 1988. 
Star said, I don't totally blame the players. They didn't abuse the system. They used the system. The system was such that there was no testing. So the bad thing was it really put the medical people in a bad situation. If I couldn't test, then there was no way we could accuse somebody point blank that they were using any type of PEDs. If I can't test, I can't do anything with them. When Mark McGuire was caught using PEDs, uh, it was in that interview with him by his locker, and they saw a bottle of something. I, I, I don't remember the name of it, but Larry Starr said that four players walked into his office, and it was within an hour of that, that interview with McGuire. Um, they asked where they can get that one bottle of, of PEDs. So he just became, Mark McGuire kind of just became a uh, poster boy for the uh, PEDs. But we also have to give credit to Jose Canseco. Star says that the first player he knew to be using steroids was actually during the season in 1984. And that multiple members of the championship 1997 Marlins team were actually using steroids. In 2000, Star found a bag of syringes belonging to Marlins pitcher Ricky Bones. And he actually reported it to his superiors who sent the information up the chain to the commissioner's office, but no action was ever taken. And this was actually not included on the Mitchell report. Star told reporters, someone ought to ask Mr. Selig whether he had any suspicions at all. Was there any one time from 1990 to 2003 that you had any suspicions that people were doing something wrong or cheating? If he says no to that question, he might not have watched many games. He told reporters, quote, you'd have to live in Siberia not to know what is going on. Right before the Mitchell report was released, Starr told the New York Daily News, quote, from the conversation I had with them, I got a feeling that they were very open to what I had to say. They were not just after names. I really felt like they wanted to hear the background on all of this. I didn't feel like I was wasting my time. Well, now we know that his involvement was a giant waste of time, and the MLB just swept that under the rug. Neither Star's information indicting MLB decades of knowledge nor Star's name appears anywhere in the Mitchell report. This uh, We brushed upon this in the 1994 strike episode if Sealing actually knew about the use of PEDs or not. In my opinion, yes. Yes, they did. They all did. It was good for baseball. That home run race brought back baseball to the mainstream after the 94 strike. And owners will be damned if they're going to lose money. Baseball is rotting from the inside out. I understand that this is a business and they are in business to make money. But sooner or later, shit floats to the top. If the average family has to take out a small loan in order to take everyone to the ballpark, then why can't baseball start on time? It's wild. It's just absolutely wild. But what are you going to do? Our hands are tied, right? All we can do is bring you this kind of content each and every week. That's IAP Radio for you, the less glamorous side of baseball. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to the past episodes. Go back and listen to everything. Watch all my TikToks, my YouTubes. Go on 
Instagram, Twitter, anywhere you want to go and follow the show. I would much, very, very, very much appreciate it. You can find all those links at IAPRadio.com. And now we are on the Mayday Media Network. The Mayday Media Network is a network that brings small-time podcasts like this with small-time businesses and just links them all together. And it's more like just a sharing site. So it's something good. If you want to know more information, email beacon84mmn at gmail.com and get information to be on network start your own podcast or if you have a small, small business thing. um all right so thank you for listening to this episode i'm dave houghton and we will see you next week goodbye